Hi guys, and I hope you enjoyed that first episode uh, with Mike. So this is episode two with Mike. Uh, talked a little bit more about the journey after his his time with the armed forces and how he grew X to the dental center into a practice that turned over more than three million a year in just a three year period. So I hope you enjoy this one. Can I ask a very specific question? And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind, kind of like maybe, how come I haven't asked this yet? But this word leadership yeah. is banded about so much. Let's define it. What is leadership? To me. And and what is leadership and how have you applied leadership that you've observed in your military training and, and, and how have you applied it to business? To distill it down to me is taking responsibility for the outcome. Right. When you do leadership courses at yeah. the Defence College where international students come from around the world to come in the UK Defence College, it's a world leader in uh, leadership. Whether you're doing a master's in business, um, whether you're doing the Henley Business School coaching, all of it, they talk about definition of leadership. Okay, There's so many books about leadership that it would be 10 podcasts to try and get through. Yeah. If I was to distill it, it's taking responsibility. Okay. Okay. You take responsibility for everything. Now, you could probably cover 90% of it with that. I've seen leadership where my clinical lead in Exeter that has now become the clinical lead of one of the Peninsula Dental School's um, satellite sites. He would, he would, you would, there are differences between he and I, but he is as competent a leader as me. He's very quiet. He's very professorial. Hmm. Um, he's not bombastic. Um, you can't really spend five years with the Royal Marine Commandos without calling yourself a bit of an alpha male tr- walking around saying pays to be a winner. You know, he's very different. Okay. But he's a leader because he took responsibility for the roles that I asked him to do. Mm-hmm. And he became a peer with me. I owned the clinic, but he became the voice of the clinicians where I would make a business decision. He'd be a clinical lead. So I don't think that if to be a leader, you need to be Mike, Mike Heskiff. Um, or I'm body, you know, you can be your own person and obviously gender pay comes into that, um, uh, age, um, physicality, mental health, all comes into leadership. Okay. Be your own authentic, true leader and take responsibility for the outcome of everything in the business that you own. Right. You can't do that if your head's in someone's mouth all the time. Mm, okay. So I think this is the key. We were talking yeah. about this. We've talked about this a few times, and I think that's where I fall down, is that I, I'm i still trying to disassociate myself from being the lead clinician, and, and, you know, when I'm not working, then the money's not being generated, and maybe that's just a short-sighted view, isn't it? Maybe I need to just step back a bit and... Yeah, well, and, and, and lead at the risk of turning the season to a consultancy visit for Hedro Dental um, <laughs> and talking about you and your and then your staff. I mean, we could we could wax lyrical and we should do actually um, about this. We should catch up. Um, but often, a lot of the clinic uh, clients that I work with yeah. are doing too much dentistry and yeah. they're doing the wrong type of dentistry. They become overly emotional. Mm. They become overly invested in other people's foibles. Um, here's one for you. Owners of practices believe that there should be no leakage of money. There should be no drainage of money. Okay, so when 
a staff member hits a Facebook campaign that doesn't work, they can become quite emotional about it and upset. Mm. When a staff member is perceived to be swinging the lead when they're taking time off for whatever reason, the owner can become quite emotional about it and they can take it personally. They're not doing what they're told to do and I'm paying them money. I'll tell you now, Accidental Centre leaked money everywhere, leaked cash everywhere. I spent five times as much time on turnover growth to one to cost cutting. You can grow yourself into profit. And the get out of jail free card is I could do dentistry and put two, three hundred thousand across the till each year. And that's where you're at now because Hedro is a new project for you and getting going. You can financially dope your business. Okay. People get far too emotional and thinking that it's their money that they're losing out of Hedro or out of Exodental or out of Dartmoor Dental, my new, my new venture. Mm. People think it's, it's personal. It's their cash. It's not. It's not. It's a third party. It's a brand. And it's only when clients don't have a strong enough brand that they think that it's their own money. And when we do the whole piece of work around who do you serve, how do you want your staff to behave, where do you sit in the market, are you loud, are you quiet, are you bespoke, are you Harrods, are you John Lewis? When you know, Once you start refining exactly the type of dentistry they've always dreamt about doing and the courses they've been on, then they start to get less emotional and personal about the money being wasted. Mm. I'll tell everyone now you're wasting money. Every business owner listening to this, you're wasting money. Can we just get that out of the way? Yeah. Okay. I'm I am wasting money on Dartmoor Dental. There's, there's wastage everywhere. Okay. But what I do know is that Dartmoor Dental is growing twice as fast as Exeter Dental wow. did. It's going twice as fast. Amazing. Turnover growth. Is it profitable? It's washing its face. We're 14 months in now. Yeah. It's a digital age now. It's the therapist age. It's the um, difference between Exodental and Dartmoor is quite astounding because there was a five-year gap between the two of them. But I'm comfortable that we are wasting money. We're, we are not losing money, but we're wasting money. We are, And any business owner that tells you that there's no drip out of the bottom of their bath or bucket or whatever you want to call it... Yeah is lying. Mm. It's always wastage. The trick is to minimize it. The trick is to look at the elements now to measure it and to manage it. And that's financial command and control, which I talk about on when I'm facilitating yeah. Ashley's entrepreneurs course or with my bespoke one-to-one -one clients through my consultancy. I talk about financial command and control diligently. I know how much money Dartmoor Dental is going to have in the bank on the 5th of December this year. We're, we're filming this in March. Mm. How do I know that? Why do I know that? I know that because I do a cash flow forecast. So there is no concern for me. I know if we hit certain markers, I know if I spend nothing on builders, there's builders everywhere in my business at the minute, if I spend X amount on marketing, I will have X amount on the 5th of December. I've got a document that shows me. Is it accurate? It is, but it's always overly pessimistic right okay okay it's it's accurate in that it'll never be a worst case scenario mm. i know when i'm going to run out of money mm. in dot dental cash now if you don't know that as a business owner then why not because it's dead easy to do cash flow forecasting is is what everyone should do mm. financial command and control there's quarterly management accounts which are of use to the banks but then inside that there's depreciation amortization 
you know, all these terms we don't really understand as mm. balance sheets. Mm -hmm. We can get our heads around if we spent enough time on it. But I never log into my business bank account. I don't have it on my phone. I don't know how to log in. I never pay an invoice. Mm -hmm. But I know how much money is going to be in the account on a random date in the future. Mm. I know that because I have people that cash flow forecast for me and I put in assumptions. I go, Amanbot is going to come to us and going to do some fantastic dentistry in West Devon. He's going to move down from Leeds and he's <laughs> going to do some and he's going to put 500,000 across the till for us. So you program that in. Right. But he's really expensive, Aman. You know, he's <laughs> really expensive. So then you factor in the cost of Aman. Yeah. Yeah. So you do those two things and you know how much money you're going to have. Mm -hmm. And the key is to recruit people like you. Okay. People who have done advanced courses, who are passionate about their dentistry mm. and create, I often, I don't know why I don't say Anfield, but I always say Old Trafford. Mm. Create because that's, that's the correct, the absolute, the the, that, is, that is the gold <laughs> standard, absolutely. There you is. go. Thank you. So I, I, I often say is that I create an Old Trafford. I create a playing pitch where I can get the best out of clinicians. Right. It is not smooth to begin with. It's hackney marshes for a little while. Yeah. Okay. There is no dream ticket to this. There's a hundred things that we need to do. Mm. It's not about your widgets on your website. It's not mm. about marketing. Marketing is the last thing we come to. Mm. Essentially, it's about the building blocks of a business. Okay. Now, but we try and create an Old Trafford playing pitch so that people can reach their full potential as clinicians. Then you create that. You create a strong brand, and you work hard on that brand. Then people want to join you. Mm. And remember the war in the UK at the moment is for clinicians. It's not for patients. So we spend, I've spent uh, three, 400,000 this year on staff facilities in Dartmoor. Um, we've done new staff changing rooms. We've done new uh, dental surgeries, we've done six new dental surgeries, we've got two left to go. Um, we've introduced dentally, we've introduced new IT that works, cone beam CTs. We, we didn't have a dentist who could do implants, but we put a cone beam CT in. We've got Medit scanners. Mm. Um, we're investing in um, Laura Horton's uh, TCO course. Um, we are investing in stuff that with new decon room, stuff, a new st um, yeah, stock room, things like that. That's really well organized, really segmented. These little efficiencies in business that are so unsexy mm. that people go, oh, what's the magic trick? And you go, it's not, it's not you doing all the dentistry forever. It's working your way out of it. But it, it's not one particular thing. It's about a hundred things that go into a business and you spin those plates. Yeah. You've said something there and it's just, yeah. I've had a penny drop moment. <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay. So, you know, one of the reasons for doing this and one of the motivations behind doing the podcast in the first place is because I found, you know, that dentistry is changing. I found that uh, whereas, you know, 2004, we qualified in the same year, I would have been grateful for a job and I would have been happy to work yeah. in any bullshit clinic for a while to get some experience and start at the bottom and work my way up. People graduating now don't want that step. They want to just come out. They want to go into a nice clinic. And I'm, I've, I've explored this on previous podcasts. There's generational differences, the ex expectations of young yeah. graduates, the way they're trained you know, society in general, social media, and I understand it a lot better now. So I understand that, you know, Gen Z is in a completely different place to, to, yep. to Gen X, Gen Y, which is which is fair. But you've said that there's not a shortage of patients out there, there's a shortage of dentists, being able to recruit good quality dentists. Clinicians. Clinicians. Therapists as well. Therapists as Futures well. Future therapy. Okay. In my opinion. Okay. And, and, and that was one of the reasons why I sold out my other NHS sites, because I was finding it so difficult to recruit. Yeah. 
I don't, I mean, I'm not at the stage where I want to recruit people into, into Hedro, but I, I've noticed that I don't have any problems recruiting into Hedro and makes sense why the yeah. brand's there the yeah. clinic's there the, exactly you know, it's, and, and people want to walk in and work in there yeah so it makes complete sense yes yeah, your passion yeah it comes through i follow you on instagram and yeah. i see and i go yeah that's Amon. that's his heart and soul that okay. is his is 20 years of a journey within dentistry yeah. encapsulated in the why wouldn't people want to work there because mm. it's all very digital it's all very futuristic it's it's where the industry's going of course they want to work in yeah. heterodental, they don't, you know, and I would hope eventually that, you know, once we get there with Dartmoor, that they'll say, you know, I'll choose Dartmoor to work in than other, other practices. Yeah. So then we win, pays yeah. to be a winner. Yeah, because yeah, you're trying to create an environment where they're well supported, the Old Trafford playing pitch. Yeah. They've got, I, I have a mantra where every nurse has to be on a course physically that day or booked on a course. Mm. And nurses go, well, okay, there's seven courses in the UK that nurses do and we create super nurses. Well, I say to you, man, do you want to work with super nurses or do you want to work with nurses that we don't invest in? Now, bearing in mind that that young degree, non-degree educated female has come out of school going for a career and you say to them, I'm going to invest in your career development. In Exeter, there are four of our nurses that are now practice managers of other clinics. Mm. And that is one of my biggest achievements. Mm -hmm. I talk to these young mums now and they run big clinics and they do it so well because of some of the systems we had in Exeter Dental that we put in place, but also because we had, we showed some faith in them mm -hmm. and we invested in them. And there is all, you know, there's always society, there's areas of society and generations that are underinvested. There are, there are that, you know, and, and I get generalizations like the Gen Z thing. I don't mm. even know what any of that means, but what I do know is if you invest in youngsters, in young people, that they pay you back in spades. And everyone that I've worked with, I like to think, like I talked about my clinical director, he came from an NHS background from Lincoln, moved down to Exeter, and now he runs a university um, department, you know, and that's not me. Mm. That's just a bit of confidence in, and his go get up and go. And we've, um, our implantologist at the time, Rory, he he's just doing the most mind-blowing dentistry of implants. I know Rory. Yeah, yeah uh, his yeah, work yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Well, we took him from Peninsula, and he he'd never placed an implant, and mm. now that's him. He he got himself qualified. But you've got to create the playing field, the Old mm. Trafford, for people to develop. And I think people are a little bit too cynical mm. of other human beings. So I would, and I'd like to counter some of you what you talked about with your previous guests about generations. Mm. When we deployed to Afghanistan. They talked about the previous generations of the Falklands and other campaigns being better than that generation. And I bet your bottom dollar now they'll talk about this generation not being as good as the Afghanistan generation. Yes, and I yeah. and I saw I saw youngsters there, big strong individuals who performed phenomenally because the Royal Marine Commandos invested in their training. Always training, training, training. That's why I did loads of courses in the military. They invested in dentistry training. It's all about training. You tr you train them and you do the Richard Branson thing and you just try and look after them well enough so they stay, yeah? But you invest, invest, invest in training of human beings and they'll pay you back in spades. I would counter there is no generational difference. Mm -hmm. But I often don't see the bad side of people to the point where I have to have it pointed out to me. Yeah, And you get your fingers burnt sometimes. But no one's ever really done any harm to, to me of, that I haven't been able to cope with or deal with. You know, I think, oh, God, I didn't see that coming. And other people go, oh, I saw it coming. Mm. 
you know, and I get to, oh, you're a bit too trusting of that individual. Um, and and I, well, I'm not going to stop. I'm not, you know, I still want four or five of these people going on to run dental practices in Tavistock is the town that Dartmoor Dental is in now. I want them developing. If we can't provide an environment where they can be promoted, then I want them moving on. I want them to be developed. Mm. Um, and I think that's a mantra that served me quite well is, is wanting staff to get on. I don't take it personally if they want to leave and take a promotion somewhere. If I can't give it them, mm. I try to. But I also try and make it so that it's a downward step to <laughs> one of the clinics that they go to. You know, they don't, um, that they think, you know, they go, oh God, you know, Dartmoor didn't have this and Exodental had, you know, these good facilities and stuff. I want to make sure that we've got the Old Trafford mm. playing pitch, not the stadium, for Anfield. No, no, no. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Hi guys, are you thinking about getting into dental implantology? Well, if you didn't know, I'm one of the founding members of Unique Implant Training. Unique Implant Training is now in its fifth year, and we are now fully EDUQUAL accredited to diploma level, which is an 18-month diploma, the only 18-month implant diploma currently in the UK. So if you want to begin your implant journey, please don't hesitate to give us a call. Find us at www.uniqueimplanttraining.co.uk. We look forward to seeing you soon. Um, listening to this story again, it's like I'm listening to it for the first time. And I'm just mesmerized about how you managed to turn over from like, you know, 500 grand clinic, 2.5 million. Can we talk about the exit? So did you always know you were going to exit? Yeah. Yes. You did? So that's, again, that's another little nugget. If people yeah. are writing down little nuggets they want to discuss with yeah, me at some point. I think point. it's important because yeah. why, what is the whole point of buying a dental practice? What is the whole point? Right. Well... Um, when you do, I did a master's in business when yeah. I, um, when I was selling Exodental, I was on a master's course, a full-time degree course. Um, and you learn a lot on a master's, a lot of it's confirmatory stuff that you already know. And mm. I already knew, but we just don't know. We know, mm. you know, like we go for this imposter syndrome as business owners. Yeah. Mm. Well, if you go on a master's degree, you go, oh, I know that mm. the master's in business. Yeah. Oh, an MBA. I know that. Oh, I know that. And, and a lot of it's confirmatory. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's basically a confirmatory exercise around um, that you know how the how the business world works. And what they always say is a business, there's sort of like unwritten rules, is that a business has to be sold at some point. So why don't you build it so that you can exit and sell it? Mm. Why don't you build it so that you can sell it? Like I see a lot of people now and they, you know, and I go, right, oh, what's the exit? Oh, I'm not selling it. Well, someone's got to sell it. Either you're going to keel over mm. or, you, you know, you've got to exit. So let's plan it. And Laura and I knew, we knew that the price that we were paying, 280K for Exeter, was a, was a fair price. It'd been on the market for two years. Everyone yeah. had looked at it. We knew it was, a, it was a good price. But we sold it for 3.2 million. And we sold that to Booper for 3.2 million. Oh, um, four and a half years, years later. Yeah, and we, and so for, for Laura and I, that was akin <laughs> to winning the lottery. Yeah. You know, that really was. It was a four and a half year, blood, sweat and tears, yeah. um, risk. Um, hard work, but we walked away with 3.2 million all cash up front. Mm. Um, we had conversations with numerous people um, and the agents created a little uh, competition. Um, and then it was when, it actually, we actually sold it to Oasis, but on the same day, Oasis bought us, Booper bought Oasis with a competition of markets authority. So on the same day, we, we essentially went into Booper. Mm. Okay. I mean, the Booper team came down and they onboarded the practice. Um, it was a it was a walkaway deal as well, wasn't walk it? Walkaway, right? because yeah. that was one thing that was very unique. 
yeah which which you told me i was just like i thought they would always want to tie you in yeah it was at the time where like the tie-ins were getting to five to seven years now yeah. i see i see well-known dentists in exeter getting five seven year tie-ins in portman and things like that um and i think why have you not positioned yourself where you can get a walk away deal mm. um I, I think it's people take too much out of their business they live too well um so it's trying to keep the money in the business so they can invest um, but the reason why we got a, a 3.2 million pound walk away deal within four years, I think is because we, we didn't have to sell it. Mm. We'd positioned it so that it was in a cadence, a rhythm, like a, and I talked to you about cadence documents mm. that yeah, we do, yeah. that we hit it into a rhythm where it always grows what we knew it was going to gross. And it was making between 400 and 500,000 a year. So we didn't need to sell it. Now we share a, a, a common, um, history and that my father was killed in a car crash when I was eight years old right, yeah. and my boy uh, and my daughter were five and three uh, Poppy was five Hugo was three and I just thought life's too short I was 35 we had a business worth 3.2 million pounds I knew it was I was doing a master's in business I'd taken enough risks in my life mm. and I thought life's too short you know my father was killed in a car crash when I was eight so I thought right and again Laura, just brilliant support, said, yes, let's travel. Um, and so when we sold the business for 3.2 million, we went traveling around the world. Wow. While we were abroad, we bought a plot of land back in our village in Devon, in a little bungalow. Um, and we, we sort of did all that deal and uh, decided we were going to settle in Devon. But we went around the world for nine months, uh, pre-COVID, just about. Um, and we went to Australia, New Zealand. We went to simple places where you could take a five and a three-year-old, nothing, you know. Went to Singapore, see some friends, Australia, New Zealand, um, Cook Islands, the Hawaii, California, Canada, New York, Washington, and then back to the UK for nine months. And if I said anything, I'm on that was the highlight of my life. That was the best mm. time. We can never get that time back. Yeah. Like all that we, we lived out of two suitcases and had these two little kiddies running around and we tried to educate them with books. So when COVID hit, we were we were seasoned home educators. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, we were back into textbooks and stuff. Have a lot of respect for teachers. Have a lot of respect for teachers. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we went traveling around the world, took the money off the table, but it was a negotiation where I said that I was in the master, I was doing a master's, I was on a full-time degree. Yeah. And because we didn't need to sell, I say, well, it's all, the, it's all the money up front. And also on the accounts, because we were very well managed accountancy wise, um, we didn't have to, I didn't have to do dentistry. So because I didn't have to do dentistry, um, to make the business work, mm. then it was a walkaway deal. And I think that people prop their business up far too much yeah. and my advice to you with headrow would be you're not obviously it's a passion project for you and, and it's very 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 successful would be to think okay how how do i exit in 10 15 20 years whenever that's ready It'll be sooner than that sooner than that, sooner than that. but how does it feel tell i mean i know how it feels because yeah, i've exited two businesses yeah, already yeah, yeah, i'd yeah. be interested in how did you feel i don't want to talk exact figures and stuff because i don't want you to come across as a vulgar question but really how do you feel? I don't know how I felt. How do you feel when that money hits your bank account yeah. on the day of sale, on the day you've agreed that everything's going to go through? Yeah. Talk me through that. Well, remember, I can't log into bank accounts. So I asked Laura. Yeah. <laughs> I said, do we have the money yet? Because Laura does all the money control. Yeah. But it was, we were over the moon. 
as a business owner, there's always a hum in the back of your head. Yeah. And that's all I can describe it as. It's like you're always thinking about the next thing, you're thinking about the next problem. And to have that hum just mm -hmm. gone. And to have that. And it, so it wasn't necessarily the money in the account. It was the, oh, I'm no longer responsible. Mm. And I suppose we come full circle towards that leadership and responsibility. I'm no longer responsible for the outcome of this business anymore. It's a limited company. They bought the limited company in the shares and the, and, the, and it's um, debt and all that type of stuff. So I'm no longer responsible. It was that feeling of quietness in my head the next day. Yeah. And it was nice to have the money. And But to be honest with you, we, you know, I didn't do anything. Um, we were traveling. So we, we bought a plot of land while we were away, obviously. Um, I don't think we bought anything. Like um, we didn't. Uh, oh, yeah, we, we went on holiday, we went to Dubai. There we go. We went to the water park in mm. Dubai, yeah. So we, we celebrated with that. Um, we bought, we sold one car from, um, but I just bought secondhand cars. Um, um, now I, I need to sound more interested in this. I'm rapidly re realizing that I need to sound more interested. Um, but I was 35, so, you know, I knew I had to work again. I knew I had to go again. Yeah. I have a fantastic financial planner in Thomas Dixon of Wealthwide. Mm. And he's, he's like marriage counselor. We speak to him every year. And it's this cathartic experience. He is like top of the tree mm. um, financial planning. And he said, you'll have to go again. Mm. You're 35. I mean, you're not, you know, that's a lot of money, but you're going to have to go again. If you're going to, you know, we want to put their kids through private school. We wanted to live in a house in Devon that overlooks the river. We built this architecture type house that oh, I showed you. Yeah. Yeah, so we wanted to do these things, and he's aware of that, and he knows, and he, and he said, but it's all right, people like you go again. And I was like, nah, nah, really? I've done all the stress of that? Mm. And, the, and then here we are, we've got another project. Yeah. So, yeah, we had that money, and then, but the best thing was, was planning to travel around the world. And that those nine months of just nothing in our head. Yeah. Um, I'd do exercise every day for a change. I'd do uh, education with the kids, and Lara would, you know, listen to music, and we'd be in Byron Bay, in Australia, just loving life. Or the Laura likes the Hamptons. So, uh, you know, just, just loving those sort of seaside. We basically followed the sun around the world. Mm. We went in the winter and then uh, we, we went down to the Southern Hemisphere and we followed the sun. So as it came to spring, we crossed the equator and came back up. So we just followed the sun for a year. Wow. And I'd say that that was the biggest achievement. People go, oh, money and numbers and stuff. But yeah. and the more you have, more money, more problems. Yeah, yeah. No, more money. And like, yeah, 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 and it's easy to say that because we we're obviously successful. But um, you do you you know you got to manage it, and then you then you got to manage it, and then you got to manage relationships. Then you change as a person, and um, you know. And I'm not going to be naive to say that I didn't change. You probably did, but didn't realize it. Um, but it's nice to be financially secure. Um, change in what way? Um. I don't know, you know, how people perceive you and um, I, I would hope that hubris and arrogance wouldn't come in. But Well, they certainly do from my point well, of view. Well, kind of you, but yeah. there's got to be a hint of that in, mm. you know, and hopefully that hasn't come across and I try and fight against that. Um, but, you know, with a, you know, it's a very nice business that it, it was a passion project um, that we put our heart and soul into and they're very proud of having that. Almost like a tick box, you know, like commando course, deployment, max fax, business, bought, sold, um, house, plot, bought, built. But that was actually, that was going to be my next question because I know I did when I exited the first one. Mm. I won't tell you what I thought. 
what did you what, what how did you feel in terms of did you ever have any moments where there was any pang of regret any moments where actually oh i feel a bit low now mm. uh haven't got anything to do did that ever come in or not really um, we having too much of a good time chasing the sun around yeah we chased the sun around well yeah. but um um i think sometimes i wonder whether with the profit that it was on with non non inputting i think a business side head would go well why wouldn't you just keep it then but the problem is is that hum mm. that noise in the background is that people go oh you could just leave it to a manager we can't really you know you know like it's not like an owner operator mm. um so you can't really leave it it'll start to go wrong and people will move away because you're not there because you've swanned off um and you're not passionate about it anymore and and again laura's wisdom she's like no it was right to sell it um and then you kind of reset the clock um pre-covid we we had an interesting project in that we were going to set up a hospital um i remember that yeah yeah, yeah we we're going to set up a hospital we were due to sign the lease on a huge building just off the m5 down in the southwest um on the 20th of march and obviously 20th of march covid year mm. um and i was in australia at a wedding at a friend with my brother and i was reading the newspaper saying i think we need to get home the plane was empty on the way home and then i was flying into the uk at the end of this wedding to sign the agreement for this massive property and in a way we felt like we'd sold a very profitable well-established business to then put it all on the line again it was a million pound project now in hindsight it was to enable the hospital consultants to do some fantastic clinical work with a dental center in a quarter of the building a six chair practice in a quarter of it and then three quarters of it being doctors and to provide services to them because they're hospital consultants and they can't manage their business very well mm. we could do that because we're a well established industry in the healthcare sector people paying private fees and it was to support these hospital consultants and stop Booper and these hospitals taking all of their money from their private work and so that they became entities but they had some support from us and we did a brand around it and we spent a lot of money on it 20 mm. 30000 pounds mm -hmm. but it was an overnight decision of do we turn it off turn off the 20 30000 pounds and say we just don't know what the world looks like it's it, it, if anything it would have been better that we'd signed before I'd gone for the property and then I was committed mm. and in hindsight it probably would have been a 10 million pound success because lo and behold waiting lists go for the roof yeah, and yeah. dentistry waiting lists go for the roof and it was going to be all MVHR so air changes and things like that it could have been fantastic but god the risk mm. and the worry and so it's about calculated risks entrepreneurship it's about calculating it and sometimes you get it wrong mm. let's, let's say that you know we could have bet the other way with that one but I'm glad that I didn't have to go through COVID with a million pound project on my head, looking at the world going to pot. Mm. And we were lucky. And so there's a bit of luck, there's a bit of timing, but it's a, it, entrepreneurship isn't about always taking risks. It's about taking calculated risks. And I often talk to myself, my wife, Laura, will tell me that I, I walk around the house talking. I don't know it. I'm talking, I'm thinking about weighing things up. I calculate it all to the best of my ability. And then one thing that I can do is delegate and make a decision. Mm. I can delegate and make a decision. I don't micromanage. And so that's one skill that I would urge everybody listening to this to take up is to, is to not micromanage and to be able to delegate and make a decision. And when you go for a decision, go for it wholeheartedly and stand there and say, this is the right way we're going because of the leadership. Because ultimately no one wants someone who's not confident.
in a decision if they're the, at the helm of the ship, if they're the captain of the ship. Mm. It's confidence. And so I would hope that I excel confidence without hubris to my team and don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah. yeah, the traveling was great. Mm. Um, and then we've obviously launched Dartmoor Dental, but... Um, I was just about to say, so you've gone again. You did yeah. eventually go again. So yeah. what was uh, the... Uh, yeah. Well, the what thing, was the, what's, tell, tell us about the new project. Yeah, Dartmoor Dental is... I mean, I'm, I'm all up for making life difficult for myself. I mean, it's an hour south of Exeter, and mm. you know that it's five hours to here from Exeter. Mm. Um, and it's an hour further down the peninsula. And if there's a shortage of clinicians in the UK, there's definitely a shortage in Devon and Cornwall. Right. Um, and so Peninsula Dental School's helping with that. Um, but it's an hour further on. It's on the other side of Dartmoor. Um, it's on the border between Cornwall and Devon. It's a 200-year-old manor house, solid solid wall construction. The roof was recommended for replacement 25 years ago. <laughs> um, so the roof leaks. Um, the, den the dental practice itself was, you know, the chairs were all run down. Um, but it was, a, again, a rough diamond with lots of potential. And interestingly now, a lot of the staff at Dartmoor are staying with us because I think because of the Exeter story. Mm. Um, those who don't want to stay with us opt out, and that's cool. That's wish them all well with life. You know, there's no hard feelings. It's non-emotional, remember, okay? Um, and we wish them well, and hopefully we look after them as best we can as they exit because they don't believe in our values. And you go, fine, it's high standards. Um, we don't have a building with a roof that leaks. Um, we don't have a building with the back walls falling down and, you know, and all these standards. Um, we have a compliant business, not a non-compliant business. Okay, so all of these standards have to raise and come with us on the journey. And I know it's discombobulating for everybody. But funny old thing, Dartmoor, when we bought it, was turning over 800,000. And we, we bought it for about 600, the business, um, in February last year. Okay, 1st of February 20, 2022. It's now March 2023. It was turning over 800,000. And we're just, I've just signed off on the first year trading accounts at 1.6 million. So yeah, we Thanks. never got Dartmoor to jump mm. 800,000 mm. in one year. And you go, okay, that's good. But I know in the last, the first three months of this year's trading yeah. that we're turning 2.5 million. So in two years, we've gone from 800K to 2.5 million Yeah, in two years. And that's putting in all the systems that you had before. Systems, yeah. yeah. But I will say there's a caveat to that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm 40, slightly overweight. Um, <laughs> I had to go to the doctors. Okay. Yeah. Um, chest pains. Yeah. In the middle of the year. Yeah. I had to reorganize my leadership group. Um, it wasn't working. Too many distractions. Not enough focus on Dartmoor. Um, I was, felt like I was doing everything. Um, and it turned out I was. And it turned out that it needed a lot of work. Um, and the stuff that I was being told was being done and it wasn't being done. So I had to re-engineer re the leadership group. Um, and now I'm very happy. I brought in some ladies from Exodental and they have just gripped it. And I think they're the key. So my business manager, Karina, started life as a receptionist. We recruited her from the body shop. And so this is what I mean. You know, these, these young, dynamic, sparky people. She's now running this business that's just grown all off the back of the work that she's done mm. with me and with Lara. Um, Lara's the creative director behind the business. And the, the rationale behind Dartmoor is to 15 years project instead of five with Exeter. So the exit is when I'm 55, um, to make a profit, to pay its, all its debt off, um, to be a service to the community. We have an NHS contract, which is roughly 14% of our income. 
obviously that will be seven percent hopefully soon um and it's exempt only contract now i've never had this before mm. so i'm playing with this it's a bit of a social social enterprise i'm trying to do within our business and again this one in all in policy i make sure all dentists it doesn't matter how qualified they are have to do some nhs dentistry but it's titrated we do one and a half hours to two hours a day and everyone does it we've launched kids clubs so where we close the practice for half a day and we just put it out there we've written to all the heads of all the local schools going check your kids in because there is no dentist down there and if we don't do it and we're one of the biggest we've got eight chairs 10 clinicians if we're not the backstop for the people who are exempt, mm -hmm. I, I can grow a private business. I can grow it millions of pounds. It's not easy. I have to go and get my heart checked at the doctors. Um, but there has to be more to it than that. There has to be some social conscience to what we're doing, much like the outreach clinics in Afghanistan. There has to be more than the fight. There has mm. to be more than the private work. There has to be more than the millions of pounds. There has to be something more and in... And in in where we are in Tavistock, unfortunately, there's a corporate with an NHS contract. I don't think it can recruit dentists for whatever reasons. Um, we can, and so what? But what's easy is I say to everyone, everyone's got to do it, and they go, "All right, then, mm -hmm. that's all right." And then we don't have a single point of failure, calculated risk. We don't have a single associate who does all the NHS contract because they're the new boy or the new girl. We have all of the dentists, no matter whether they've got master's degrees, they've all got to do a bit of NHS. Mm -hmm. And if I'm honest with you, it's much like the traveling was the best bit of selling Exeter. The best thing about Dartmoor is this NHS contract, which is completely at odds with what I hear. And I was, yeah. I was coaching with Chris Barrow last week and, you know, and he was talking about the NHS contracts being corporate. It's a corporate domain now. And I'm like, and I didn't want to get into all of this. And I go, yeah, I agree. But I, but again, you can, you can, you can go the other way. You can counteract it and you say, well, if we don't treat these children, with stainless steel crowns, with therapy graduates out of Peninsula who are doing fantastic dentistry, they're going to go to Derriford, our local hospital, and become a bigger burden. Now, this might sound um, a little bit wishy-washy, but if if me, if I, with my resources, don't help a bit, mm. and with the people that I can bring to the table, if I don't do a bit, then who will? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the corporates. So... I'm going to make a difference in that little town. I don't even live there. I live an hour away. And we get so, such rude emails from patients. We get such rude emails from patients who are just desperate for NHS care, bless them. And this, and, and they don't know. And I mean, this is a failing of the contract. They don't know that, that the, I'm dealing with the NHS at the minute. I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm trying to renegotiate the contract with them and saying, like, look at all this good stuff we're doing. You know, can you, can you, can you, is there any way that you can pay as the same UDA value as the practice down the road? Like, is there any chance? Like, mm. things like that. I do, I do, I'm not stupid. Like, I'm trying to make it work. Um, but it's all on whether I decide whether I want to keep it or not. It's a three month notice period. Thousands of people's healthcare. Three months off here for to the NHS. Given the contract. Is it, is it yeah. as short as that? Yeah, it's right. an old it's an old contract that's exempt only. Yeah. And I read it and I was like, what's that about? Um I mean what a single point of failure that is. Hmm. Um But I don't take it personally when, when the NHS writes me rudely and write unprofessional. You know, I just whatever. Um but we're trying to we're trying to make this work. Yes, we can make a private business work, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Yeah, and, and I, I and that's what's going to pay for the roof and that's what's going to pay for the standards and for the care and that's we've just given the staff all their pay rises and mm. introduced bonuses as we've always talked about um 
and try new uniforms, new changing rooms. That's what's going to pay to keep all these people content with their work and hopefully thriving. But in my head, it's like we can look after thousands of people and we get chucked a bit of money from the NHS. But we, you know, and you go, oh, that's, that's something. Mm. That's something. So I don't know. Um, I might at some point um, lobby the M local MP and say, look, you know, we can do something here with this. We can be a bit of a social safety net. I'm not saying every private clinic to pick up contracts, but I'm saying I think you can make it work a bit better. Now, we're in breach, I'll be honest. We, we had a computer system failure in the beginning of the year, and we had a bit of a, a really bad integration of dentally, all on our part, really. Um, and so we weren't getting credited with our UDAs. So we're in breach. So we're, we're not angels. Um, but we're, we're now not. Last six months, we're trading at the right level. We're doing the right amount of UDAs. But obviously, it's it's historical. I'm learning that you you know you pay back what it was, but it, it's peanuts compared to what we do privately. Mm. So we're not angels with it, you know. Um, and it, but it does some good social good. Oh, that's amazing. That yeah. yeah, it's not just about yeah. This this practice is clearly has much more of a social conscience than your than your previous one. That's uh, very admirable. Yeah, the, yeah, compared <laughs> to the previous one. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, as you know, I am the lead tutor of the Hedro Academy Vertical Preparation course. Now, we have put together this beautiful vertical preparation kit, which has been beautifully made by former dental supplies. Simon at Former has kindly agreed to give one lucky winner uh, of this podcast a kit completely, completely free of charge, uh, which retails normally at £220 plus VAT. So all you have to do to win one of these fantastic vertical preparation kits is just give us a like, uh, subscribe to the podcast and share it and leave a comment below and we will pick one lucky winner every podcast and uh, Burkitt will be finding itself uh, in your clinic. Okay, so yeah, great guys. The Horacle Burkitt by Hedro Academy and former dental supplies. Um, can I just ask as well about your consultancy business then? So, you yeah, know, how, how's that going and how did it come about and, 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 and what's the format of it now? So, well, how we met, yeah. yeah. Um, so we had, um, Laura reminded me actually that I've always done consultancy. Mm. Um, when I was in Exeter, because I wasn't clinical, I had spare days and uh, one of the coaching consultancy businesses rang me and said, look, we've seen you doing this seven-day opening. We've seen you having a business hub telephony. We've seen you doing all these good stuff. Can we bring clients? So um, they shipped clients in from uh, Northern Ireland, the length and breadth of the country, Glasgow, London, and they came to Exeter. It was very nice, and I hosted them for the day, but I didn't know what I was talking about. I was just saying, well, this is how we do it. What's your biggest challenge? And then we talked through it, and it wasn't very systemized. But I did six of those visits, and then the consultants paid me. So I was a subcontractor to the consultants, and they, and you know, it was lovely, and, you know, such benefits. Um, Martin Wanadea and Nick Sosodia from Ten Dental. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they came. And they're like, you know, top of the tree, fantastic people, just love them to bits. They're just, you know, just so giving to the industry across the board. Um, and they came and they wanted to see what we're doing with a seven day opening and a telephony and things. Um, and so we made good friendships with those guys and, and the others that came. And then after that, um, Ashley Latter, I was a bit of a loose end um, when we come back from traveling. Ashley said, Mike, the Exeter story is great. OK, you, you've been in the, in the dental press about it a bit. Do you want to come up and tell people about it? I came up the year before your course and gave the talk for a day. And quite a few people on the course had always joined the course to hear you about the extra thing. 
Oh, that's very reassuring. So, you know, you get a bit of your imposter syndrome starts to drop a little bit. Mm. And then I did a master's in business and I thought, mm, okay, I'm a bit sure on coaching. So I went to Henley Business School and I got a uh, certificate in um, executive coaching. Now you are an executive of Hedro Dental. You're the principal, you're the executive. So I've got a certificate in coaching. I just wanted to make sure I didn't have any holes in my armory mm. um, coaching. I didn't want to know that I was missing anything from the master's in business or from the coaching course. And then um, Ashley's course, I facilitate on the entrepreneur's course and I've done that for four or five years. He gets some good speakers in. Um, again, through that, you get to meet some really nice people, good people in industry. I really like Chris Barrow. Mm. Um, I like what he's done for the industry during COVID. I, I like the leadership that he provided. Spent a bit of time with him now and I really enjoy his company. Um, I like, um, we were talking about a hypnotherapist, um, yeah, Jess, were. um, Nigel Risner, the talk yeah. and, and, and Ashley brings in different speakers from the UK, which are fantastic, um, educators. And then I, I'm there as a facilitator, but alongside that, um, we've refined Hesk of healthcare consulting, which is my business. Yeah. Um, and I spend 50% of my time on Dartmoor and 50% on consultancy. And what I do is I use all of this knowledge and experience and leadership and hopefully there's a lot that I've seen now. It's not much that I've not seen. And I help people who are practice owners. I'm 41. They're usually in the sort of 30s age range and they're just about buying a practice. Um, and they're either do, they're doing something spectacular. So either buying another practice or they're expanding. Um, it's reasonably chunky fee-wise because I have to give up time that I can work on Dartmoor. I have to, you know, give it, to the clients, to the paying clients. So I run this consultancy and, and I love it because I go see them. I, I, see, I go to their practice in the first week of the month of whenever they engage with me. I spend time with them, their team. I get to know them. I get to know how that small business, because we're all small businesses, mm -hmm. if we're less than 20 million turnover, affects their personal life. And so it becomes bespoke. And I've, we've made a decision actually, Laura and I are doing some business planning while we're up in Leeds alongside shopping. Hmm. We're going to stick with a bespoke. So I feel better when I create strong bonds and relationships with people. And we're not going to do the big mass course thing. We're not going to go hard after trying to make some sort of little bit for everybody stuff. I enjoy Ash working with Ashley Latter. I enjoy his company. He's a friend. So um, I'll keep going with the entrepreneurship and facilitating his course. Um, but that is as much as a sort of course I do at six visits a year. Mm. But my future is in bespoke consultancy and we're actually launching a new brand. Um, we're going to re-energize it. Laura's the driving force behind that. Um, it's going to be very, very swept up. But it's it's aimed at not being around forever with people. It's to leave them with a roadmap so they know where they're developing in their business and saying, right, okay, I, we don't have no tie-ins. I don't tie anyone in. I say to them, because I didn't like it. I, I had my coach in the first year. I only had him a year and it was a year-long thing that... After six months, I didn't really need them because I had a roadmap. Now, everyone's different. I have clients that have been for two, three years mm -hmm. um, since we started it. Um, and I have clients that last six months. Um, and it's always always amicable and brilliant, you know, really great relationships, but they don't need any more, you know. And if anything, I'm the one pushing them out the door. Mm. I say, you don't need me anymore. It's cool. All right, you're, you're fine. And we work on this trust, honesty thing where we say, we'll invoice you on the 23rd. You come with us for a month. And then we'll keep going, but just out of courtesy, let give us a month's notice because I've got a waiting list. I only work with five clients at once and I run a waiting list of people 
to work with. Um, the fees are reasonably chunky. Um, they're business owners, but what I try and get them to do is to add between 500,000 and a million pounds turnover to their business in the first year. Mm. So the fees are, you know, the fees, the fees, are, reflect, the that. fees reflect that, but you know, yeah. they don't reflect that really to be honest with you. They just, they reflect the time that I lose on Dartmoor. Really. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, I, I had hoped that they get massive return of value on the consultancy that we do. And I'm just interested in them. You know, I'm just interested in them getting what we had as a family and Exeter so supporting our little family. Hmm. Um, Dartmoor supporting our family, which it will do for the next 15 years until I retire at 55. And uh, I just find it really satisfying. And I actually, I have to show you, I've, I've got a gift. I got a gift of a watch. Amazing. Yeah, from a very dear client. Who yeah. Been with me two years. Yeah. Oh, do you mind me asking? Of Indian you? heritage and yeah. um, the uh, it's the a Cartier, client. Is it? It's a Cartier. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. Nice. yeah, and I didn't buy myself a new watch when I no. sold my business. No, I didn't. Um, and he knew this. He's a very intelligent individual, um, and he had this this title called Guru Dakshin, which is at the end of a teaching course. Yeah they gift to their teacher a gift and it's a very worthwhile gift in you know and we'd they'd expanded their business really well um it's a family-owned business it supports them and he's just got so much potential um he's come over from india and he's set up this business and it's just you know he's making such a good job of it but i, I feel like i'm his pilot in these uncharted waters for him you know, and I tell him why his local staff are being a bit strange and how he doesn't, you know, what he's not understanding about the culture. And we, we've built this business up and his turnover's doubled and he, it's just, it's, it's the relationship with him that I value the most. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same for the other clients. I'm invested in their success. And I think that's more valuable than, you know, the, the, the fees, you know, um, and to be recognised like that, we nearly fell off. Laura and I nearly fell off the chair because it was so so generous and great, you know. And I was like, "Wow, you know, it was nice to be um, thought of." Um, mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter how successful you are or how good you think you are to be someone say, "You know, I think you've done a really good job, and I really appreciate your help." And that was just wonderful. It was, yeah, it, it was. It just it was the highlight. It's the highlight of my consultancy is this gift. Amazing. This particular gift, you know. So what, what what keeps you going? Because, like, look, you've done everything that there is to do in dentistry. In terms of, like, in business, I should say. No, you haven't done everything in business. Don't get me wrong. Let me rephrase yeah. it. Let me start again. From my point of view, you've done everything that I would have loved to have done. Okay, so I've exited, but yes. I did. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't completely have a uh, a pot which I could. Well, I wouldn't say you could retire on that either. But in the sense, no. it wasn't as big as that pot. You've you've gone back in again. What I'm trying to say is, what keeps you going because you've done so much. I think that's what I'm trying to ask you. Yeah. What drives uh, you? What's driving you? Uh, what's what driving, keeps you going? Seriously, because um, like, yeah. What's I mean? You've I, done so much. You yeah, were the same age. I, I think it's the relationships. Yeah. I think it's now at the relationships. Is that you know we've um, um, I just meet people and the industry is so nice industry to be in yeah um and i and i meet interesting people all the time yeah um we you know we have to pay the bills like everybody else um we don't have any problems with that because it's a consultancy and, and with dartmoor but um i i find it interesting and i find it relationships and i sometimes think maybe we should like branch out you know oh you're that good at business because there's a barrier to entry into dentistry which mm. you know you're not competing with 
real top-notch hard to compete with businesses you know um in cutthroat industries lara came from the media industry in west mm. london which was like getting talent agents jobs i mean that is brutal i thought dentistry was bad in london let alone um you know that sort of industry where you're fees or around agency and stuff and how brutal the media industry is and when Lara saw dentistry and how much money you could make in a because it's a closed shop because you have to have a GDC registration mm. to be a director on the board if it's less than 50 percent on the board um so I, I find it an industry that is interesting I find it an interesting that's lucrative um that's supportive that's relationship building um, and whenever I look at other other businesses like property development, property development is so slow, mm. you know, and consent, considering we can just, you know, increase the turnover by 100,000 or a million pound, which is roughly, if the EBITDA is right, is roughly equal to that sales price. Well, you can't do that in a property unless you invest in 20 million pounds. So I find dentistry an industry which is very satisfying and successful and rewarding. Mm. Um, and I also find it, I want to come across something that we, we, we're not successful in, you know? I know everyone talks about entrepreneurship, you should have a failures and stuff like that. Well, we're doing all right so far. I'm not trying to fail. But, I, I, you know, we're going to push ourselves. Mm. Um, but there will be a point now where, the, you know, sensibleness kicks in. We've got two dependents in Poppy and Hugo are um, 11 and 9 coming up on. Um, you know, we need to be sensible with risks. Um, and we need to be... Um, and I want to be around. Mm. Um, and the most valuable thing that I try and get with my clients and myself is time. Mm. I think what I do is we can all gross more, okay? You can always sell more, right? But time, time. How do I get Aman to have as much time as he wants doing what Aman wants? Whether it is, unfortunately, watching Manchester United, <laughs> whether it is going to the gym, mm. whether it is traveling, whether it's six weeks in India, whether it's whatever you want to do, how do I give you the time back? And the key thing is, is that I'm after now is the time back so that I can decide what I want to do with it in support of my family and how do my businesses support my family Amazing. and hopefully extended family as well. Amazing. How can, how can people find you, Mike? How can they find us? Yeah. So we have a website yeah. called Hesketh Healthcare Consultancy. It is due a revamp. We have an Instagram. Um, because of our relationships, we don't market. Mm. Okay, we work on relationship building and referrals. But uh, we need to fix the roof while the sun's shining. We only take on five clients at a time because it's one-to-one, -one, but you can contact me on Hesketh Healthcare website. Um, and then, yeah, and hopefully um, people, you know, like I say, will finish after six months and then there'll be an opportunity for, to work with new people. So I'm always open to discussions and I'll be honest and open with everybody to say, yeah, I can come to you and I can help you. But what they will get from me is 100% commitment mm -hmm. to them, their business and how it supports their family, like my businesses support me. We have a showcase in Dartmoor Dental. I can show you how an eight-chair practice works. All of the branding, financial command and control, the staff organizational structure. I can show you how all that works in a working example. It's almost like a showroom. It's not a showroom <laughs> because it needs renovation, but we're about a year away from the building work being finished. Mm. But that is a challenge that most of my clients are going through. How do you operate a business out of a building work? Mm. So all of it is pertinent. I'm learning about the digital side of dentistry. Um, we did all that growth, by the way, without 
Invisalign without implants. So it's all routine care. Yeah, all yeah routine it's all routine care. care. There's no flash. I believe in building a solid base yeah. to then build a pyramid on top of. And we are doing Invisalign to be soon, hopefully. We are going to do impl- We are just started implants. We have started facial aesthetics. But I see these coaches and consultants banging on about marketing and banging on about um, Invisalign and build your million pound practice Invisalign. You think, well, I go, why? It's a single point of failure. It's a risk. Mm. Don't, <laughs> you know, add Invisalign. But why would you prop your whole business up unless like you know you're in you know a high street in the most fashionable part of the world and you might want to go narrow but really the full service practice with with, where clinicians want to work for you and they have a team approach to dentistry i talk a lot about team approach to dentistry so all of that is covered by my consultancy yeah people can reach me at hesketh healthcare consulting hopefully they'll get an authentic experience and uh, leadership and um yeah and I, and I like to see owners thrive. Yeah, most certainly. Well, Mike, the reason why I invited you on is because that story, you know, going back to 2019 when you first told it, I was mm. sat there in the room, my jaw literally just dropped. I was just like, wow. And it's like today, it's like I've heard that story for the first time all over again. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. And it's made me really rethink and really re-examine what I'm doing. And it's kind of like got the lessons and I kind of have implemented a lot of it, yeah. but there's stuff which I've missed, and it's been a really useful exercise for me, more selfishly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to revisit a lot of these things. So I'm going to go back. Uh, I mean, this morning I talked to Paul Tipton as well. I've, yes. been, I've been I've been talking to Paul for. I mean, I've done with Paul of Paul's courses. He's told me so much stuff over the years, which I've kind of forgotten. And today, for me, has been a great learning experience. Yeah, you know, people listening to this, and if it's the first time they listen to this, I'm. Their, their minds are going to be blown by this story. So really, it's kind of you. really, it's a, it's it's a, it's an honour to have you on the podcast. Thank, Thank you. you for being so generous with your time. So. Thank you for coming all the way from. Um, do you still live in Exeter? I still live in Exeter, Devon. Yeah. yeah Thanks yeah. for going all the way from Exeter yeah. uh, to Leeds to sunny Leeds. Yeah, mm. to, uh, to to talk to us today, and thanks for your time. No Lara's been sat in the corner. Like, Hello, Lara. Thanks for coming. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to meet <laughs> you in the flesh, and I hope you've enjoyed the uh, the sights of Leeds and uh, and yeah. all the shopping, the Victoria Quarter. The credit cards <laughs> out and the shopping. There's all, there is that. Yeah, but you, um, yeah, no, you've, you've always been a friend, and since we first met, you, you know, you, you're just a wonderful person to work with, and I've really appreciated your friendship over the years. Thank you. That's very very kind, and uh, thanks for supporting the podcast. And uh, you know, I can't wait for everybody to listen to this. I really take take you know all these uh, these messages and these 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 little nuggets and these tips on board. And Mike, once again, thanks and thanks a lot. No worries at all.